Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well today I'm going to change things around a little bit um, and that's because of a scheduling um, issue with one of my uh, guests. I was going to talk about blockchain technology today but we're going to push that one back until next week but I'm very happy to say that uh, I can share with you uh, a discussion I had with Dominic Wilson who's uh, one of the founders of Pi Labs. And um, it's a fascinating conversation because what we get to see here is an insight into how a venture capitalist or a venture capital fund looks at potential technology in the prop tech space. And uh, Pi Labs is, uh, is a dedicated prop tech venture capitalist. So they're obviously very keenly focused on the sector. So why don't we just have a little listen to the conversation I had with uh, Dominic now. I'm um, not going to do too much of a wrap up uh, towards the end because um, of time factors really. <laughs> but uh, here we go uh, with the interview with Dominic Wilson. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Hi everybody, it's another episode uh, from the Property Voice podcast and uh, we're you know heavily into the PropTech uh, series by now and I'm very pleased to welcome onto the, uh, the show today Dominic Wilson from Pi Labs. Dominic, hi, how are you? I'm very well, Richard. How are you? Yeah, very good indeed. I, I have to say, I'm just going to acknowledge the fact that you've agreed to take this uh, this uh, this recording, if you like, from halfway around the world, uh, considerably jet lagged as well. So we do appreciate that very much for making time for, to share with our listeners today. Um, but what would be really great, if uh, if you don't mind, is uh, would you just give us a quick introduction to you know Dominic and also Pi Labs and, and what what that's about and how it fits into the prop tech scene? Sure. So um, I'm the uh, managing partner of Pi Labs. I'm also a co-founder, um, and Pi Labs is a uh, venture capital firm with a specific focus on um, the prop tech. Uh, area from the PropTech vertical. And PropTech is a, you know, a rapidly um, sort of maturing concept. And as a result, it sort of means different things to different people. Um, but for us, what that means is, and in terms of where we focus our investment uh, activities and, and, and ideas, is we look at the supply chain and value chain, um, or chains, plural, I should say, pertaining to all real estate assets. So you know, think cradle to grave, where we, we look at ideas that are kind of community driven and from planning process, you know, before, you know, shovels on the ground, we're, we're very big on construction tech in terms of you know, the construction process and development process, um, you know, acquisition and leasing of, of, of uh, buildings or properties once they're complete, uh, services within those buildings, particularly home services, which is obviously a huge, been a huge area of uh, growth in the last three or four years. And then we look at other uh, sort of bolt-ons which support the real estate um, sort of process, like finance and insurance. So fintech and insurance tech, insofar as they relate to the ownership and, and renting of property assets. 
Um, the other, I guess the other, the other one point I'd mention is that we're a very early stage investor. So, um, you know, unlike others, you know, some people might have heard of sort of fifth wall from the US, which are later stage, sort of growth stage investors. We are a seed phase um, investor. And what that means is we're generally, we're, we're, we're almost certainly the first money into, um, or first institutional money into a company. Um, sometimes we're even the first, we're the first check that the company's ever, ever sort of received in terms of investment. Um, and we're comfortable with that early stage risk. So, you know, we, we like to be early, take the risk, help the companies grow. And then, you know, they go on to bigger and better things, you know, further down the line. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, if you're first phase uh, funder, you you're definitely uh, in for some risk, I should imagine. But um, uh, and I'm sure it's not reckless. I'm sure it's well researched and um, and and uh, great due diligence and great people and and product that you're looking at. But um, it's good it's good actually to see um, VC, you know, this side of the pond, as it were, um, you know, investing in prop tech in you know, a lot of the larger deals. You know, I've seen numbers seem to come out from the US, but it's good to see it. You know, um, people investing early stage in the uh, in the UK and Europe as well. And I know you're probably not just tied to a geography. So uh, no, no. I mean, we are. Whilst we're focused on stage of investment and focused on um, the sort of vertical and the and the discipline domain, we are geographically agnostic. So you know, to put that into context, we've. We've backed founders um, of companies from over 18 different nationalities sort of around the world. Um, we see we get deal flow from you know, regularly over 50 countries. You know, that 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 vector is sort of Alaska to Australia, um, and uh, yeah, I I, I think um, clearly that, that that's a reflection of where PropTech was when we first started doing this. PropTech as a term didn't even exist, right? So. And then one has to be sort of cognizant of that um, of that evolution, um, but we we are early. Um, we are you know we have deep sort of property expertise ourselves as, as principals and partners in the business, as well as our own investors in our network. And we're deeply we're sort of, we we are deeply accretive, deeply networked sort of investors, and that's the value add that we can bring sort of straight out of the gate for an early stage company who perhaps doesn't have that. Um, resource or wherewithal you know at the beginning yeah i was just curious actually i haven't seen your setup i'm not really familiar with it but um and you talk about you know maybe taking a board position or some sort of you know functional role within the business as well as providing funding but do you also have some kind of incubator type of approach where there's a networking effect of the uh, of the companies that you're investing in yeah so it's a good point richard i mean we 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 actually deploy our capital through um, sort of two different channels. Mm. Um, the first channel is just as a straightforward VC where we just invest in deals um, that are slightly, you know, that, you know, call it seed phase deals, seed stage deals, um, as and when we when we see them, so on an ad hoc basis throughout the year. Um, and then the second, which is probably um, one of our cornerstone offerings, is that we do a pre-seed um, sort of program um, that runs once a year. So we select five companies from on average about 300, sort of 200 to 300 uh, that we get to the application process. And those companies sit with us for three to four months. They receive a small amount of investment 
They receive a, a program that we run that is focused on them and their strengths and weaknesses as as well as their sort of domain uh, focuses. So if we, you know, if, we, if you're taking a business that, that's focused on the sort of hotel industry, then the program will be tailored slightly um, you know, to reflect that fact. And we bring a whole range of, uh, well, exposure really to these companies from, from the property industry on the one hand, from the entrepreneur side, from, you know, the functional building blocks that every business needs, whether it be sort of finance, marketing, PR, um, you know, hiring a talent, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that program is sort of carefully curated and, and runs for about 15 weeks. And then we, we, we finish that off with a, with a sort of a demo day, a presentation where the five companies present to room about 150 to 200 investors and sort of property experts. So um, that has been a very um, you know, intensive but fun part of what we do. It's also a highly sort of value add piece, especially for companies that are very, you know, very early, um, either in their sort of founder stage. So if you've got some first time founders who, who perhaps are embarking on this journey for the sort of first time and, and are not really sure, you know, they're clearly talented and, and you know, motivated and, and, and have the tools to succeed, but they perhaps have not been through an entrepreneurial mm. uh, journey before. Um, or it could be those who are just perhaps new to, new to the property industry. And that also happens to be, you know, quite a frequent um, trend that we see mm-hmm. and therefore want the exposure and the sort of branding that we bring for them. I mean, you know, it sounds slightly immodest, but if you come through our program, then you know there's 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 a qualification process that's attached to that from the company's perspective. I've no doubt if you're if you're taking five from several hundred, <laughs> it must be very competitive. Um, but I think um, just sort of looking in from from where I'm sitting, um, you know, the, the startup you know stats are there for all to see, you know, failure rates, etc. So. I guess if you've got this kind of program where you're, as you rightly saying, you're, you're bolting around, you know, strengths and weaknesses of the uh, of the companies or the individuals concerned, then you're helping to uh, reduce that risk and give, you know, a wider platform and, and maybe an, an element of scale that wouldn't otherwise be available to companies such as this. I should think. Yeah, that'd be fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, frankly, no matter what we do, the the failure rates are going to be incredibly high right that's the that's the nature of the business that we're in and we're, and we're well aware of that and and one of the things that we do stress and and you know it's not uncommon for companies to perhaps have this sort of misunderstanding they're coming through our program is no silver bullet it's not a you know guarantee of anything what all we're trying to do is equip our companies with the the best sort of tools and methodology that that we and they can have in order to stand the finding chance of, of achieving success further down the line, um, and you know, taken in the right way with the right with the right ingredients, then then that can work and it, and it has worked. But really, and it's a cliche, I'm afraid, but it's absolutely true. Ultimately, it comes down to the founders themselves, and you know, we can we we could run the best program in the world or the worst program in the world. Um, the, the the exceptional founders will find a way of making it work either way and, and being successful. So um, we like to see, think that we you know are giving people a, a slight leg up, but it's up to them to 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 make that work. I mean, with, you know the adage of taking a horse to water but not making a drink, so to speak. 
Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to be a bit cheesy. Sorry about this, uh, Dominic. But, you know, talk about things like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank and, you know, The Prophet and those sort of thing, which is great entertainment, you know, for anyone looking into business, you know, startups and expansion. But, you know, one of the big takeaways, um, you know, apart from perhaps latching on to the equivalent of a dragon, sorry to pick that phrase, but you know what I'm saying, or Dominic, <laughs> is, um, is, you know, that really it, it's still the responsibility for success and failure lies very much with the business and the founders of the business to make it happen, as you say. So you can't absolve yourself from that um, uh, responsibility and nor can you substitute uh, you know, them, if you like, uh, for the, the real legwork and grunt work that is inevitably going to be required to to get a business off the ground. You probably, you know, it's like a, um, you'll live and breathe it for several years, I'm sure. Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't matter whether you're Pylabs or, you know, Peter Jones or you know, one of the guys or from, from Shark Tank, that, that it's, it, it's the same discipline, just dressed up in a different, you know, in a different yeah. wrapper, really. Understood. Not that I, not that I, not that I do. Just to be, <laughs> I, I always wince whenever <laughs> we're sort of compared to Dragon's Day and all sorts. Yeah, I'm sure like, you. Are. I, I did. I'm sorry. I was, always, I was always wincing <laughs> asking you. I was always wincing yeah. asking. You, yeah. you, don't, you don't have a pile of cash next to your, to your chair right now, no. Yeah. No, no. And we're and we're a little bit more gentle, and I don't insist on my seat or Forgive me, Dominic. Forgive me. Just couldn't help. No, it. Um. I was going to go a little bit top down, but actually maybe with what you've said, especially about this uh, program, it's a good place to start. Um, could you maybe just highlight a couple of the um, businesses that have been successful to have attracted funding through you and just talk maybe bottom up, you know, but some of the people have got through and uh, maybe in the last year or two um, and bearing in mind where sort of our audience is predominantly um, residential property investors and developers um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think there's a number of our companies who've come through the program that are actually heavily used by um, by your by your audience. Um, if, if my understanding is correct, so we have a company that you know one of our first um, sort of participants and investments is a company called Land Insight, um, mm-hmm. which is a uh, sort of data platform for optimizing uh, development sites. Um, well, research and therefore choosing where best to where best to deploy resources in terms of the new development um, process. So that's particularly um, prevalent for residential developers when you're looking at sort of competing sites, and it brings together data like you know comms, uh, light path, environmental, land registry, uh, infrastructure, everything else that's, that, that's pertaining to that particular site. So that's actually one of our best performing companies overall, actually, not, not just not just coming out of the not just coming out of the program. Mm. Um, because it 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 filled it, you know, got great founders, got a great product, but it also filled a very, very strong need in the market, particularly for smaller developers who found this process to be quite time consuming yeah. and expensive. And so this is a one-stop shop for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another company called um, Sort of realize which looks at um again it's a data focused company but it looks at uh, the residential performance on a you know on a postcode by postcode basis so the idea being that within a certain locality um you can find areas that are effectively undervalued or overvalued um although when you're looking on something like you know right move or zoopla um 
general generally the breakdown is, is a little bit more is a little bit bigger so it sort of goes by by the postcode but within that individual postcode there could be certain streets for example that are you know more valuable than others um and so they have tracked the sort of um property performance and, and data to create an algorithm that is predictive as well um and again it's, it's sort of a valuable tool for investors to buy to let investors yeah. or developers indeed um recently um we have looked at and sort of thinking about the companies that are in our program currently um we've got um in, in the interest of variety we're looking at sort of the um the appraisal side of things so this is particularly from a financial point of view so the the, the, the lending banks who lend to sme resi developers um the how you appraise a particular development or how you appraise a particular uh, property is 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 a very time consuming process done on a sort of tripartite basis between developer lender and then the broker so you sort of got three different um Excel files, three different methodologies, three different calculations sort of flying around. And what they've done is they've created both a web-based and a mobile-based application that brings all of this into one, one user application applicable across the three different um, stakeholders. Is that one is that one called appraised, Dominic? It's called it's called appraised, yeah. yeah it's called appraised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then we've you know we've done some stuff, I mean, just Thinking a little bit more laterally, I mean, we do some stuff that's outside of outside of the residential development space, of course. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a company called Office App, which is about, sort of all about community engagement, um, you know, office logistics, ergonomics um, for commercial office buildings, applicable for both landlords and occupiers, and indeed employees within those buildings. So that's one of our, again, another one of our top performing companies. Um, and we have also, you know touched on we recently invested in, in, in the same cohort as appraised uh, a company called PropCoin, which looks to do um icos into um more sort of standard defensive real estate assets so by that i mean it is diversifying people people's wealth generated through cryptocurrency and looking to um peg that effectively to a more defensive mm wealth preservation um type play which is which is what you're trying to find in real estate um so that's obviously a, a, a top a very topical issue at the moment in terms of with the, with the rise of bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and also with the advent of icos and so we decided to make it our first foray into that area earlier this year um and we're supporting this company called propcoin yeah that's um so that's basically what an asset backed um crypto or ico uh, token coin I'm yeah, mixing my terminology up there. Sorry, but you know, um, it's yeah. there's something yeah. Yeah. of substance behind it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you're you're you've effectively um, used your wealth um, in crypto to buy a stake in a REIT, uh, for example, mm-hmm. which is a more defensive, uh, you know, sort of five percent, six percent yielding um, sort of public real estate investment trust at the moment, and then. Um, you're not 100% exposed to very, very high volatility swings in the crypto sort of Bitcoin markets, ICO markets.
Well, I don't know if you had more, but I um, we should name check. We had Tom from Ask Porter on the show earlier in the series. Yeah. And um, Ishan, who, uh, when I'm talking to you, it hasn't gone live, but by the time uh, we hear you, it will have done from Trussell. Uh, so, yeah. uh, I was yeah. gonna, I think so all roads lead yeah. from Pi Labs, it seems. <laughs> well, true. And just to be you know, technically, um, so Trussell's not a Pi Labs investment. It was made by uh, sort of a personal investment by, by the management team um, sort of prior to forming Pi Labs. Okay. Um, although, although there's a deep kind of connection there, clearly. Uh, and yeah, and Ask Border is another one of our companies, as, as you say, focused on sort of the property management space. Mm. So, um, and using sort of AI in that space to, to automate what are kind of mundane, costly um, processes and sort of add margin to what is, frankly, a very low margin, high volume business. Yes, and I've seen well, you've got you know quite a number of uh, investments. I think was it thirty or more now? Um, that you've, I think we're at thirty-four now. Yeah. Thirty-four is it? Yeah. So yeah. you know it's good, and and you're um, taking board positions in some cases, putting personal money in some cases. I guess. So we don't insist on board seats yeah. as a as an investor, um, or, or nor do we insist on leading the round. But we happen to have done that in more than one case. So we, we we believe quite strongly that it's the entrepreneurs that should be driving that that decision and that discussion. Mm. Uh, but if they ask us to, which they frequently do, then we're happy to consider it if we feel that we're going to add value. So we have board seats at the moment on, mm. I think, three or four companies, um, and. Where, you know, and in some cases, we also, well, we certainly have the ability to, and, and indeed have done so, we've personally invested alongside the fund in certain businesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, I won't press too far on that, obviously, but um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and, and when did you say, or I'm not sure if you did, but uh, when, when was PyLabs uh, formed? And- so PyLabs started in sort of 2015, really. I mean, the idea sort of germinated in 2014, but it launched properly in 2015. Um, about where we now may, yeah, about this time in the year in 2015. So what is that, about three years ago? So you've been busy. <laughs> yeah, lots happened in that time. It's amazing. So it feels like 10 years ago, really. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. In fact, that's probably a good uh, cue to pick up on. Uh, you know, maybe how have you seen uh, the prop tech, you know, landscape shift? Maybe even before you you kind of formed PyLabs, but um, certainly as you've as you've been operating, how have you seen it shift over over the time? Oh, it's been. It's been that, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I talk about ten years rather than three years. Because yeah. when we started. Um, you know, some people just scoffed at prop tech. I mean, they just, you know, the idea of technology and property coming together was just, you know, it was laughed at by property people, you know, a large sort of principal property players. Um, and, and indeed, even the tech community, whilst I think they saw the potential, didn't really understand it, saw it as a subset of fintech maybe, or another mainstream kind of tech asset class. And now, you know, fast forward sort of three years, I mean, even in the last eighteen months, really two years, it's it's just totally different. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a huge um, topic and asset class in its own right. I mean, there's a, you, I'm sure you've heard of we've heard of the the, the SoftBank um, sort of Vision Fund, which is the largest uh, tech fund in the world, so it's 100 billion dollars. 
I think 25% of that fund in terms of the capital they spent has gone into investments that have a real estate related focus. So or a real estate tech, prop tech related focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that shows how serious, you know, the big investors are, are looking at it. You see, you see new funds pop up like Fifth Wall in the, in the US, which is, you know, a great sort of later stage, sort of Series A, Series C type fund. Um, and so, and, and, and moreover on the property side, on the principal kind of property side, you know, there isn't, there isn't a major, well, I mean, I'm sure there are, but I can tell you there are major property players in terms of investors, you know, landowners, PLCs, whatever it is, who have not picked up the phone to us and to me and said, look, we need to, we need to figure out what we're doing here. We would really like to understand what you guys are doing, how we can work more closely together. And the inbound interest in that respect has been sort of absolutely mind-boggling, um, which shows that I think in the boardrooms of all the major kind of property, you know, private equity funds or players or investors, developers, whatever you call it, they're all thinking about you know the next ten years and this advent of technology and how they're going to be ready for it and you know not be you know not be left behind. And that has been a you know, sort of tremendous sort of tailwind that we now have. Um, and obviously that's helped us as a business as well, because, you know, we were doing this, before, you know, we, th- that moment has come at a time when we do have track record and we do have sort of over 30 investments that we've made. And, and, and therefore, you know, people are looking to us as, as sort of pioneers and thought leaders in, in the area in the, in, because of the, 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 the breadth and depth of, of the, work that we've done as well as the investments that we've made yes it's, i mean it's staggering really uh, i mean and even on you know my sort of um, rounds it were to do to cover this uh um series on prop tech um i i, I have i have sort of i resonate if i'm honest with you Dominic, i resonate between highs and lows <laughs> and you know um it's going to change the world to uh you know it's a lot of hot air kind of <laughs> and uh, and quite a lot in the middle and it depends who you're talking to what sector they're in what their angle is um uh, but you know it's it's definitely it's it's kind of internet-esque isn't it it's uh it's one of those sort of uh, potential real big game changes and there are lots of subsectors of um you know the the segment i guess but um you know there's possibly a, a couple of people who are just sleeping and will be woken up abruptly if they don't pay close attention to what's going on, though. Um, but I, I also guess there'll be winners and losers at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it is very a, a, a tech, and I'm in San Francisco at the moment, as you did at the start of the program. And I think there is a, a sentiment that tech will change simply everything right it'll, you know it'll, it'll be completely all, all omnipotent in the way that it transforms the way that we live it. and and i think there's probably some truth in that but you know prop tech or well, certainly the way we see it with regards to real estate is not necessarily that it's going to be this massive revolution and it's going to change everything overnight i think what we see what we see is an industry that is hugely valuable i mean it's the most valuable asset class you know, in the world, valued at whatever it is, two hundred twenty trillion dollars more than more than anything else, and but it's it's just been behind the times, and mm-hmm. and and, and in, in terms of the way that certain things have run, and you know, you can look at take the construction industry, which is an area that we are focused on as an example. 
So since the dot-com boom in you know, 1990s, so what is that, 28 years ago? Um, oh, 18 years ago. Yeah. So 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, 18 years ago. Well, I mean, it's still a long time ago. I mean, the construction industry has seen almost zero productivity growth in that time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about where, how it was performing you know, 18 years ago to how it's performing now, it's almost, almost exactly the same. And that's a massive issue. And, we, you know, and we, one of the things we, we see, or the, the benefits we see of technology in terms of real estate and property, is you know, there's some, you know, in the UK and indeed elsewhere in the world, but you know, let's talk about the UK, given the audience, some serious kind of structural uh, and social issues with regards to real estate in the UK, right? Affordability crisis, yeah. you know, housing shortage, et cetera, et cetera. And some of those, you know, most of those, in you know, in my opinion, are supply side, um, supply side issues rather than demand side issues. And mm. um, and you know that when you then put you know construction productivity at front and center of that of that particular discussion. Is it any surprise then that those problems are persisting? Probably not. And so, um, if you we you know if technology can can make the construction industry five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent sort of more efficient, which is not you know revolutionary or indeed that hard to do really compared to sort of other industries, the effect that can have is sort of absolutely transformative because you know the top I don't know I think one of our companies Keepsight is a is a game capability program is it's focused on the construction industry construction tech and it you know from its research has this number that the top 100 performing construction companies in the uk have uh margins of between one and three percent which are which in themselves are highly volatile right that's a top performing right that's a top sort of uh, 100 companies forget about the 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 underperforming companies and so if you can add you know two three percent to those those margins and clearly the gains and the, and the effect are quite are quite substantial and that the effect that therefore has for the industry is 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 is, is, a, is, a, is substantial um so we're not really you know one of the things that we we come up against we came up against a lot i think early on um it's less so now was that people thought you know particularly people on the advisory and agency side felt that technology was simply a, a means to disintermediate them out of a job right Mm-hmm. So, okay, you're not going to need a state agency anymore. You're not going to need advisors anymore. You're not going to need brokers anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that, that, that's never been the case. I'm not saying, you know, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, that trajectory doesn't, doesn't, mess, doesn't always come to that end game. But the point really is that all of these people are doing, um, within their, their jobs, they have certain pieces that are low value. Mm-hmm. That can be automated, and therefore means it frees up their time to concentrate on the high-value, you know, advisory bits that they should be doing, rather than, for example, you know, collating property data or property um, land registry data, whatever it is, around a certain building or a certain asset, which you know should just be able to be done automatically, right? Yeah. And therefore free you up to really engage with the client on the the high bits of advice that you, frankly, should be paid to do, rather than the sort of mundane clerical work. So I think, again, it's, it's, it's reflective of, a, of an industry that and technology kind of interface that is going through a maturing process. Hmm. And, that, and, that, and as part of that, um, I think there's going to be tremendous gains. But I, think it's, I don't think it's overnight. I don't think it's, you know, sort of blockchain or artificial intelligence that are going to be, you know, changing the, the industry top down, you know, by sort of 2021 or whatever. I think that's, 
that's that's probably too ambitious. So it's it's very much a, a interactive kind of stakeholder um, journey. Yeah, more like uh, evolution than revolution, perhaps. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So and, I, and, and, it, and, it, and it needs that to be sustainable too, right? And that's the other thing to mention is that we're we and indeed you know our investors or our partners or whoever it is, we're not interested in 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 quick term um sort of turnarounds and, and gains we're thinking about what is sustainable for over the over the next sort of 20 years 25 years mm. and so it's about getting getting that getting that relationship and that um sort of interest in and how you how you how you yourself as an institution um participate with with this sort of new vector Needs to be carefully thought through and done in a way because the last thing you want is, you know, for the for the industry to sort of say, oh, actually, this is just a fad, and and you know, we're going to disengage now, and then you sort of you you then have another ten year lag, you know, in the construction industry, for example, you have another ten year lag, and you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. Right? But if we're going to take a serious sort of step forward, it does need to be sort of evolutionary. Yeah, and I think um, you know it's been a consistent theme. I don't know if you've managed to listen to any of the uh, episodes. You don't have to answer that, but um, you know we, there's been a sort of a, a theme, if you like, about evolution rather than revolution that's come from a number of our guests, from whether they be founders of startups or whether they be more uh, academically, but you know, based or advisors in the industry. Um, the I guess there's always room for that. Uh, you know, major player like a Google or something to, to come around and, you know, smack it all out the park, but uh, with a real game-changing type of um, offering. But, you know, generally speaking, process improvement, productivity gains, you know, seems to be, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit, certainly, um, at the moment. And so a lot of the people we've been talking to have been automating processes and making it slicker or using big data and algorithms to make, uh, you know, take away some of the grunt work so that you've got more interpretive types of skill sets that could be utilized, as you say, um, where people could um, add more value with their, their input rather than just, you know, crunching numbers and that kind of thing. So um, seeing all that, but um, I guess from your position, Dominic, um, you know, also conscious of your time, um, what, what sort of uh, subsectors of the uh, prop tech scene are you you kind of seeing making the greatest strides sort of you know maybe maybe in recent times in the next couple of years ahead what you know and I might ask you the second part of that question which is where next but right now I just uh, what are you seeing in recent times you know maybe plus or minus two years well you know I think the Again, you know, as the question sort of intimates, we can only answer that from 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 our own point of view in terms of what we what we're seeing and what we're targeting. So we look at this way, we look at this in sort of two different ways, right? We look at this as, you know, from a sector point of view. So, you know, residential versus commercial versus sort of hotels, hospitality, etc. Um, and then we look at it from a technology point of view, right? So, you know, advent of new technologies such as you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on the sector side, um, and this is obviously areas that we're targeting, which is a, which then therefore is also a nod to you know the thirty-four investments that we've already made and the and the areas that we already have exposure to. So, um, I can't say this this apply for for everyone, but um, I think the areas that we're focused on at the moment are we are focused on construction tech. Um, we we see that as a as a, as a huge industry that has had very little 
kind of innovation and and and, and steps forward as we've just discussed. Um, and we've made one investment in that space so far, which is Keepsight that, that, that I alluded to earlier. And mm-hmm. we want to make more. There's no, you know, there's no bones about that. We were we're actively in discussions with companies at the moment um, on that. And we 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 think there's a tremendous amount that can be done that has application, like, you know, that really does have application kind of globally and therefore scalability, which we also look for in an investment. So that's 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 you know one area. Another area that we've also started paying a lot more attention to is insurance, yeah. um, because you know the insurance market is a highly in the UK is a highly liquid one. I think it's the most liquid insurance market in the world actually, um, and you know property insurance, property sort of services, and you know bringing whether it's consumer or sort of you know asset protection sort of insurance. Um, all of that is pretty clunky at the moment. If you you know it's a pretty you know very sort of um, Sort of white shoe, uh, blue blood type uh, industry historically that 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 needs you know needs to respond to a, a more millennial type focus, right? A millennial sort of ownership focus. So um, that is an area that we're paying uh, some attention to. We've made an investment in that area already. Uh, it's a company called Broly, um, which is that we partner with uh, some very well known investors from the US uh, from with and. You know, great team and, and, and is making great strides but we'd like to do more in that space um, for sure mm-hmm. um, because we think you know you cannot own lease rent or transact property without it right and so yeah. um, it's, it's sort of it's, it's underserved it's, it tends to be pretty boring pretty painful you, you know Richard if you're anything like me you, know, you, you probably don't even know what insurance you have or where and and and, that, and but yeah it's sort of critical to um, the whole um insurance and ownership landscape so for that equally though that that ownership landscape is changing right and that renting landscape is changing so how does insurance sort of, sort of track that and move with that you know that's a, that's a theme that's something we're, we're looking at quite closely mm-hmm. um and then there are other areas that we like you know you know that we sort of thematically that we like so you know we're, we're demographically you know top-down investors that so we're you know, demographically sensitive to Things like, um, you know, the aging population, sort of senior care, you know, and all those kind of things. And so how does, what does the provision of, of, of care look like, you know, obviously via sort of real estate assets, but even whether that's through a, a third party supplier like care homes or even, even in your own home mm-hmm. and what role can technology play in, 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 in that. And, and that's something that we, we like, we, we see some challenges in that space for sure. There's regulatory, regulatory requirements, and everything else, but it's an area that we're paying close attention to and, and we'll be monitoring for investment over the next 12, 18 months. And then moving away from, I guess, the sector focus and looking more at the technology side, we look at, you know, one of the things we also look at is, again, as I, as I said, is, is where are the kind of technological innovations coming and and how can we get closer to them in order to apply them to real estate as and when the moment is is right and so we talked about last quarter and that we felt that an you know, artificial intelligent application had um a good fit with the property management industry given the you know the high high mundane high volume low margin nature of that business and, and therefore automating you know a, a vast chunk of it <clears throat> could be hugely beneficial for you know property managers, investors, landowners um, alike. Yeah. 
And then we've now in line with, uh, you know, we're still, we're, we're big believers in blockchain and, and, the, and the potential benefits that, that it has. But we, we think that, you know, not dissimilar to PropTech is a, is a rapidly maturing kind of area and marketplace and probably an area that needs to mature a bit, a bit further before it can have the wide scale applicability that, that everyone wants it to have. But we believe, you know, and one of the reasons that we invested in PropCoin was because of that. It was a sort of a very early exposure to that, this, this sort of new discipline. So um, we're, we're backers of it, but we're also, um, I guess, monitoring it over the next sort of two to three years for when it becomes truly opportune and applicable. Yes, I mean, I was looking at blockchain and having joining some of the discussion groups and, um, you know, there's lots and lots of promise and lots and lots of potential, but, um, you know, it's it's quite scattered and, you know, it's not a focus and, you know, regulation is still a bit of a question mark and, um, you know, security, trust issues. Um, there's quite a lot of things yet that needs to settle um, for that to kind of take off. But I think it has a massive potential, particularly in, in the uh, prop tech scene, real estate sector. Yeah. It does, and uh, you know, we wrote. Uh, I think I wrote an article uh, recently on 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 this. And it, look, blockchain has tremendous potential, but again, you know, like many things, it, it won't be a silver bullet. And yeah. and certain certain areas of of, of ownership and that sort of land reg, land registry ownership, if you think about one of the areas that people have talked about, sort of already exist, right? And, and if you think about blockchain, what people talk about. The potential it has well that is already happening so um it's more that you know it's more on the let's say the transactional side of things i mean you know, properly transacting timeline yeah. on a res- whether it's a residential asset or a commercial asset makes a difference is it's just ridiculously lengthy i mean it's, it's it's months and months and months yeah and there's no reason that shouldn't be you know, days or weeks presuming that all that all the relevant information is is so sort of securely logged on the blockchain, you know, coming back to insurance, going back to sort of mortgage data or mortgage financial information, um, you know, your, your gas certificates, all of that stuff. Um, and therefore, you know, available to all kind of stakeholders simultaneously so that you can then, you know, transact and, and complete in, in a sort of a more domino falling you know, type way. But, you know, it needs, it needs, Blockchain is only going to work, in my view, uh, and others have different views. I know, but it will only work if you know everyone is on board with it, right? You need a hundred percent. You know, blockchain, as the name suggests, will only be as strong as the weakest link in the, in, in the chain. So, you need everyone to be bought into that process and and, and for the universal applicability. And once once it is, then it'll be highly highly valuable. But it but you know. If, if it's not, then it's pretty redundant. It's not. Think about the early days of email, the early days of the internet. Same kind of concept, really. Yes. Um, so, so we had a massive sort of massive potential, but you know, if, if I'm on the internet and, and, and email, but you're not, then it's redundant. So, um, and blockchain has similar sort of characteristics. Yeah, understood. And we could probably talk quite a lot about blockchain, but it, you know, I guess the second part of the question I was asking there is, um, you know, so that is the immediate term. You've identified some of the areas that you're interested in and that you see potentially relevant. 
Um, maybe just a quick one. Do you, do you, what would you see? How would you see us living in, in the next sort of 10, 15, 20 years? And I'm not saying give us a, you know, a massive outline of, uh, you know, um, automated vehicles, et cetera. But what kind of things would you see maybe in prop tech that could pop up uh, maybe further downstream? Maybe blockchain is one of them. I don't know. But, uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I mean, indulge me in some blue sky thinking, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you, know, you talk about automated vehicles and everything else, but you know, I, I think fundamentally what um, will be different is I think our relationship with 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 real estate, and this from more from a residential point of view, our, our, our relationship with real estate kind of assets, and particularly ownership, is going to change. Um, you know, if you think about if you think about real estate compared to almost any other major asset class think about cars think about planes think about you know ships think about anything um office buildings even whatever it is you know all of those all of those assets are leased right but yet in real estate particularly in the uk there's this there's this high focus on on ownership and that's and that's because um property has been the main driver of, of wealth creation mm. in the uk hence why people are focused on it and you know just to be you know Transparent, you know, I'm, I'm an owner of property. I own my own house, and and, and so uh, I can obviously see the, the the benefits in that. But given the given the problems that we we spoke about earlier on, you know, in terms of structural the housing shortage, affordability crisis, and everything else, that avenue to wealth is going to change. I mean, people are going to start thinking about wealth creation, wealth preservation, whatever you want to call it, in different ways to how they've done over the last. You know, 50, 100 years, and and therefore, I, you know, I would not be at all surprised if real estate moves to, you know, like you have with cars, or whatever, moves to a longer term sort of, you know, leasing model where you know you can own, effectively can own uh, a flower, a house for you know five, ten years, whatever it is, and you can do what you want to it in terms of and everything else, but ultimately you're only leasing it, you're not you're not owning it, and therefore. It reduces the burden on things like um, deposits and and everything else. And so, um, but I think you know, and, and again, when it comes to you know bringing back back to automated vehicles, I think we're going to have a you know I think it's just society's going to look different. You know, we're not going to have car parks, <clears throat> right? We're not going to have car parks taking up our cities and and everything else. And so, how does that what what does that mean for how that space going to be used? Mm. Um, you know, you're going to see more. I don't know. Um, you know, more gyms, more crashes, more kind of childcare, more services. I think it's going to be more service-oriented landscape, and I think that's where real estate as an industry is moving to moving towards. It's less of an asset and investment class now, and more of a service kind of. It's more of a business. It's actually, you know, you've got to think about your 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 tenants and your occupiers. And your, you know, landlords, if you or whoever it is, as as customers, yeah, and therefore look to be providing a better quality service right throughout, right throughout the process. And so, um, you know, that's what the industry will move towards, as opposed to okay, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm an investor. I want to buy this office building. I'm just going to hold it for sort of ten years, and <laughs> and you know, it's a one-time transaction, right? It moves away from the kind of the focus on the transactional and more to lifetime sort of engagement lifetime kind of service and that is a good thing for the industry as a whole because there's a tremendous amount of value within those stakeholders whether it's you know, we talked about offset before i think one of the great benefits of that company 
is that for the first time, um, people are now talking about employees within office buildings as a consumer group, right? Mm. And as a customer group, actually, how are they, you know, what, what, what are the services? What are the amenities? What are the, what are the things that they look, that they expect? And how can we as an employer through someone like office app actually provide for that rather than just thinking of them as, oh, they're just our employees. They're inside these four walls and, you know, what, you know, between nine and five, no one really, no one really gives a damn about how they're, you know, how they are behaving, how they're feeling, whatever it might be. Um, and from a from an outside retail point of view or service point of view, that's tremendously powerful because now you have a captive kind of audience that you, for the first time, you can access. And so, yeah. fact, you know, the, these barriers are breaking down, right, at, at every junction. Um, and so I just think the way, I think, you know, over 20 years, I just, I just think we'll have a you know, totally different sort of expectation and indeed interaction with, with 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 our property it was just be different yeah i i, I can concur with a lot of that i think um i was run, written down some notes as you were chatting but i think you know things like the sharing economy and in social media you know um are helping to change that sort of attitude uh, right now aren't they so you know airbnb you know rent rent a room for a, a, a night or a week at a time i know that's more for short-term stays etc but it doesn't take a giant leap to to extrapolate that to the idea that you were just talking about, and um, and equally, you know, social media. What I'm getting at there is all about um, reputation and trust and ratings. So that you know, one one thing people do these days is they dive on Facebook and ask their friends, you know, who do you know or <laughs> who would you recommend, and and so uh, and that then supports. So you've got this sort of uh, greater voice for the individual, uh, greater resource pool for the individual. Uh, and also more uh, uh, risk, if you like, for service providers who could be damaged if they don't maintain service levels and treat, you know, people con- like consumer consumers as customers. Um, so uh, I, I can see I can see where you, you're going with that kind of line of thinking. It makes a lot of sense. Um, perhaps too, I, I, I know that we we sort of had a bit of a time uh, marker, and I'm conscious of that, Dominic. But um, uh, you can add add into this if you wish. But I was wondering, as maybe as a st- sort of a close. Um, if you could maybe, you know, say what we said beforehand about what PyLabs, you know, is looking for, uh, the sort of three areas that you mentioned and, and perhaps how people could find out more about, about you. But if you want to elaborate a bit more and talk anymore, I'm very happy for you to do that as well. But be be useful, perhaps, if you just give a quick summary of, uh, you know, the th- those three areas you we talked about. I can remind you what they were in case uh, you didn't make a note. But um, And how to reach you or how to reach PyLabs. Yeah, sure. I mean, um Look, PyLabs is you know, we're we're a venture capital fund, right? So, you know, our lifeblood is um, you know, predicated on, on sort of two components, and the, the one is kind of capital from 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 our investors who who, who back us in our funds, um, and the second is um, you know companies that we look to invest in. And so, you know, those are kind of two key focuses for us as a business. Um, the, the the sort of third area that we that we also um, are always kind of cognizant of is you know areas in which our portfolio companies can gain support. So you know if any of the companies that we spoke about there and do any of the ones in the portfolio are of interest to to to, to people that, that they feel they could be useful in terms of partnership or collaboration then obviously we're very keen to help facilitate those those types of discussions. Um, 
And in terms of contacting us, well, uh, you know, our website is um, is one way to do that. It's sort of pylabs.co.uk. You know, people people can access me through LinkedIn and or you know other sort of social media channels as well. Um, and you know, if they reach out through that, then we can then we always respond and and then pick up a discussion. So we do tend to get a lot of a lot a lot of a lot of sort of cold inbounds. So if we're, if we're a little mm-hmm. bit or a little slower in responding than people would like, then and that's probably why. But um, you know, those channels that I think are you know, on our website, our, our email, generic email, sort of info at pylabs.co.uk. So if you just email that, that's what comes through. So one of the team, and we can take a discussion forward from there. We'll come and see us in, in you know, uh, one of the events that we do. We were at the Future Pop Tech event last week. Um, I don't know what the next one is now, but um, you know, whenever we're sponsoring, we're at one of these events. Um, then, then you know, come and have a conversation with us. Always, always keen to speak to people interested in the sector. Yeah, I'm, uh, sorry, bit of a curveball. Um, I, I've been investing in uh, some early stage businesses through the crowd and, and crowd cube. Um, do you do you actually have an opportunity for people to get involved and uh, invest in some of the businesses that you're backing? Is it high net worth, sophisticated territory? Is it? So we don't um, we don't market to retail investors, but <laughs> are you uh, you know high net worth, sophisticated investors that will go through, for example, the crowdkeeper route um, can invest, you know, as angel investors into our companies alongside you know when those companies are raising their rounds, mm-hmm. so they can come in alongside us and others. So we we're, we're never one hundred percent of the round anyway. So. Being coming alongside us or coming alongside other investors, so there is there is that opportunity for sure. Um, we also happen to have a relationship with CrowdCube, so um, um, where you know our companies can can you know we're one of the sort of we're like the prop tech sort of expert partner, if you like, CrowdCube. So um, we have a good relationship with those guys. But yes, there, there are there are opportunities for you know sophisticated angel investors to partake in. Um, our portfolio companies. Okay, brilliant. Well, Dominic, it's been it's been great. Um, thanks so much. I wanted to get a slightly different angle by talking to you because clearly you're looking at you know backing or you know um, you know uh, new startups uh, who are going to hopefully have a flourishing you know uh, life ahead of them. So I'm sure your lens is very sharply focused. Uh, you know, onto the here and now and, and what's coming down downstream. So I really appreciate you sharing with us today. It's been fascinating. Um, it's been good to have some of your stable uh, on as guests as well and to get the individual insights from, you know, people like um, uh, Tom at Ask Porter. And you've mentioned and name check one or two others, which I should certainly be looking at more closely as well. So much appreciated. And um, I hope that uh, your your fund goes on from strength to strength. And uh, sounds like it will do with uh, 34 in the bag in about three years, <laughs> roughly one a month. Uh, excellent stuff. Well, thank you very much for having me, Richard. And I hope that uh, you and your listeners have found it um, interesting and, and somewhat useful. I'm sure they will do. Thanks again, Dominic. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye.
So there we have it. That was a really interesting conversation I felt with uh, with Dominic because you get to see uh, the the th- in, inner thinkings, if you like, inner thoughts of uh, a venture capitalist. So looking at prop tech from an investment point of view, and I'm not necessarily suggesting we all rush out and become investors in uh, prop tech companies, but what I think is interesting is how they see things and they've got a different you know lens about what sort of sectors and what sort of technology is likely to benefit the most from um, you know, new startups coming into the scene. So I thought it was really interesting. And of course, there were a number of companies that were name-checked. Uh, Dominic's been quite busy, clearly, with a portfolio of 34 uh, companies invested in in about three years, um, not restricted to the UK. Um, gave some really helpful insights, name-checked a number of companies as we went along, of course. Um, but you can see, and he did, he did reference SoftBank and their fund, and 25% of their fund, a $100 billion fund, seems to have a real estate or property tech focus. So uh, it's definitely a thing. <laughs> it's growing, uh, is all I can really say. So um, if you happen to be a high net worth investor or sophisticated investor, you can also get involved in places like uh, Crowdcube and Cedar and those sorts of investment platforms. Uh, again, I'm not giving any advice here as to what you should do, but um, even if you just want to go and have a have a snoop around, sniff around and see what's uh, coming up, that would be most interesting. But of course, Dominic highlighted the point of evolution rather than revolution and made this clear distinction about looking for sustainable businesses. And I think we're not just looking for a fad uh, or they're not looking for a fad. They're looking for something that can, you know, change an industry, but you know, survive for an extended period of time. And that's uh, that's very good to hear. Um, of course, the, the I think the big takeaways were perhaps where the uh, his focus is, you know, contact construction technology being a potential big winner or huge marketplace insurance as well with its highly liquid um, transactional type of marketplace lends itself to a technological breakthrough and. Um, I think mainly because of personal interest, perhaps uh, the care sector. Um, we've got an aging population. Um, healthcare is going to be one of the uh, mega trends that we need to, you know, deal with. And then from a tech point of view, you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence and blockchain in particular, of course, um, as being some things to keep an eye on in the near future. And hopefully I'll pick up that conversation on blockchain uh, very shortly with you. Uh, but, I, you know, just a little nod towards the future with his uh, blue sky thinking invitation that I gave to, to Dominic with uh, perhaps sharing of us, the sharing economy effectively, uh, leasing or, or buying time in using property rather than owning property. I thought that was really interesting. I think the sharing economy, as you probably heard from a previous uh, conversation, is going to be one of the potential changes. And, and of course, the, uh, the the focus on customers and service. Uh, we had a little chat about there as well because we know we're not just a, a transaction anymore, and we have a voice and we have a collective voice through things like sharing economy and social media. So treating uh, consumers as customers. Uh, but needless to say, perhaps to wrap up, if uh, if you are uh, high, you know if you have capital to invest, perhaps you want to reach out to Dominic and uh, maybe look to sit alongside him as an angel investor. Um, I'll, I'll share the links in the show notes of how you can contact him. And um, or equally, if you want to look at some of the companies that he's in or they've invested in, uh, their portfolio is on the website. And um, there will be other opportunities, I'm sure, to get involved in other prop tech ventures, um, as I mentioned. So that's coming at it from a very different point of view. But of course, you can also have a look at what potential technologies are out there to use personally as well. Um, so Land Insight, for example, was one, and I'm aware of Land Insight. I've used it a little bit. 
and then there's Realize is another one that he particularly directed us towards and of course Ask Porter will be another one so uh, perhaps as you know just a bit of a nod to technologies we can actually implement in our own businesses um, and and I think you know finally uh, really it's a case of just you know if you want to speak to Dominic go to well just the website is pylabs.co.uk but that's uh, that's all really I wanted to to cover off uh, in this summary um, thanks a lot for joining me again on the show this week uh, hopefully I'll have blockchain on the agenda for you by the time you tune in next week but in the meantime you can visit the, uh, the our website thepropertyvoice.net where the show notes will be and uh, thank you very much for joining me once again this week on the Property Voice podcast ciao ciao Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.